Hello and welcome to the Robert A. Heinlein Book Club. Uh, in this episode, I'll be looking at Beyond This Horizon, at least the second half of it, or the second part of it. This was originally published, uh, this novel was originally published in April and May 1942. Uh, excuse me, in Astounding. This was uh, the last set of stories that got, came out in, in you know, various science fiction magazines before uh Heinlein's hiatus in his career due to World War One, World War Two. Now, one thing I want to talk about: the the book goes in many directions in the second half. It it almost becomes like a Philip Dick novel in that way, where it's like not content with just one kind of theme, and it wants to explore many. Um, you know, and I, the seeds for all this was laid earlier in the story, so it's not a big surprise that it happens. But you are going to find like certain plots that were set up early in the novel get dropped because there's not room for them and he has to kind of move on to other things um our main character here hamilton felix is kind of on this quest for finding the meaning of life and he tries to find it um you know first in kind of a, in, in being part of the defense of the society in a way and he, and he finds it through pleasure he, he certainly says he enjoys life but doesn't see the meaning of life so he doesn't want to pass on his superior genetics to the next generation to the sure grin of 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 the genetic planners and and we get uh, a closer look at the one genetic planner that's kind of the the touch point this guy named mordon um so he's trying to convince uh hamilton to you know basically pool his dna um there's a movement essentially a functional revolt at the same time that has to sort of be infiltrated and put down that's kind of where the plot is at the beginning of the story um i say functionalist because it's very much like the, the political arguments made in the roads once roll where you had a a group of people who claim to be um the most crucial element of society uh, but they end up just being fascist technocrats the difference here is there's like a genetic spin on it so basically for the idea of genetic development is that it's for the benefit of humanity and something available to all right and then the people who are like like true controls i think natural controls they're called these are the people who aren't genetically modified are actually kind of privileged and have special rights um so there's kind of a socialism with genetics right the, the fear of many people who think about transhumanism is that the genetic manipulation will only be a lot of the elite and then most humanity will just be the poors and, and won't have a chance to compete anymore with with that kind of genetic elite but that's dealt with in the story because uh, gen the genetic innovations have spread pretty widely across society but these functionalists want to basically take over and then be true eugenicists and promote a master race so they're like the nazis so they're they're if you want to accuse heinlein of being a fascist He's not really, he's being a bit of a transhumanist here. Not a little bit, but quite a lot being a transhumanist. But he is doing it in a more democratic way than other eugenicists would imagine at the time. At least more fascist, hierarchical eugenicists. 
so you you have that plot that gets put down pretty early then you have his whole relationship with phyllis is explored a little bit more they they decide to get married essentially in whatever kind of weird marriage systems they have there there's a bunch of different marriage systems you can choose from there's no state interference in it it's just you, you choose the type of marriage you want like you would choose a menu uh, a dinner at a menu not a bad idea if you ask me um i mean that if we got rid of state endorsed marriage defining marriage we could have temporary marriages contractual marriages we could have uh marriages of course we already have prenups so that gives people a little bit more freedom and choice in their, in what their marriage will amount to um but you could have marriage just for raising a kid you could have uh you know like i think that ortho marriage is implied to be like a true marriage and you could have uh you know legally non-monogamous marriages or line marriages or anything like that it so in that sense i kind of agree with Heinlein that maybe we should get away from one definition of marriage just you don't have any state one state wouldn't care like, why does state care about marriage now, outside of the fact that they're trying to promote marriage? Um, seemingly, is like for tax reasons, right? Inheritance reasons. That stuff can be, there's workarounds for that kind of stuff, um, I think. I don't know, not very difficult ones. But that's kind of cool. And they eventually, the, the plot goes that eventually Hamilton Felix decides to um, have children. And first he has a boy. And then he has a daughter and it's implied that there's basically these are basically reincarnations That's basically shown that people are reincarnated so there is sort of an afterlife in that you're reborn um, and this is revealed through his son first who can remember things and experience things and and has knowledge that he shouldn't have um, it's partially exposed because he has got all of hamilton felix's benefits plus an eidetic memory and other benefits uh, their daughter also seems to have Member daughter comes later, but she also seems to have some. She seemed to be a direct reincarnation of, of a minor character in the book. Um, so all that's going on. You have Monroe Alpha, Claude Monroe Alpha, who is uh, is he Claude Cliff? Is he Clifford? Uh, let me double check. Yeah, it's Cliff. Claude is the eugenicist, I think. Claude Mordan and 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 Cliff Monroe Alpha. Monroe Alpha is a line. It's a genetic line. Um, that he's like cliff of the mineral alpha line um, that's explained a little bit more details in this part of the book too uh he's kind of chasing a girl he's been kind of liberated from his alpha wife in the first half of the book and now he's kind of chasing this girl and he tracks her down and and, and they have their ups and downs and, and and so there's kind of that subplot too of him trying to find meaning in a new relationship being liberated from his his wife and find it, trying to find something outside of his boring workday life he's like um you know he's he's kind of stuck in a rut and this divorce kind of allows him break free so all this cool stuff is going on in the story and i don't know how much of it we want to talk about here um you know it's it's kind of one of these moments i i kind of almost want to be a streamer but there's not enough people out there who read these kinds of books to like sustain something like that but or listen to my channel anyways but you know hearing feedback like what you want to hear more about I'll, I'll talk about any of it but one thing i do want to talk about and maybe this will be enough to kind of discuss is an armed society is a polite society this came up because as this is recording it is robert a heinlein's anniversary of his death um or a day after i forget because of the time time differential between like news on on 
social media and where I'm at. It might have been yesterday or my time. It doesn't matter. And there's been another shooting in the U.S. And there's been many of these shootings. Uh, you know, they seem to be coming almost every day lately. And he quotes in this book. Someone told me that it was actually in a different book, too. Something Lazarus Long said. I don't remember. But I know it's in this book. It's an armed society is a polite society. And, and the context of that is, is justifying the gun culture of this, this world. And it seems people who are opposed to gun control like to quote Heinlein on this. Um, now, empirically, this doesn't seem to be working in the United States, which is clearly an armed society, and it's not particularly polite. Um, and I want to kind of take this on directly because I, I do, I'm not becoming a Heinlein Stan the way I am like a Philip Dick or even a Lovecraft Stan. I still have my doubts about him. I, I'm still skeptical and I'm still kind of learning about him. But the more I know him, the more I get into his head, the more I, I do feel the need to speak up on this. Um, because I, I think he's being a little unfairly maligned, uh, on this issue. Um by maybe people who are pro-gun control, pro-government gun control. It does seem on the surface, he is presenting a society in which there seems, there's apparently no gun control, at least from a government standpoint. People walk around armed, they duel, they solve social like problems of offense in old-fashioned dueling way. Um, and this is presented as essentially a positive. We have char a character, I think it's Mordan who actually says this, an armed society is a polite society here and that's reflected in the text so it's very easy for Heinlein to justify it because it's it's his text it's his novel he can present his world however he wants however what I want to take issue with here is the idea that this there's no gun control in beyond this horizon because there almost certainly is it's not government gun control but it is a gun controlled society um, and, and first of all, above and beyond all that, you know, the social conditions for this society don't exist in the modern day America. So it's not applicable. It's, it's, no, it's no more applicable than the Second Amendment really is applicable to modern day America. And I'm saying this as someone who's not for government gun control. I'm, I'm an anarchist, right? So I... You know, I think societies can make reasonable restrictions to defend themselves if they need to. Um, and I think there might be an argument for like a, a temporary gun control or some kind of um, buyback program, perhaps. Generally, though, I'm not in favor of disarming the working class. I, I think there's um, other issues at concern. And this, this isn't like the idea that we're going to overthrow the United States. It's just it's... Um, it's almost on principle to me. So, but but it's not something I'm gonna like die on. It's not a hill I'm gonna die on. I'm totally willing to be open to discussions on on limiting certain guns or or limiting access to certain weapons in certain regions. I obviously think local governments can do what they want in their respect. You know, it's Congress that can't prohibit it. There's nothing to say that states and communities can't. Um. All that. And generally, though, all things being equal, I'd prefer not to disarm the working class and keep the cops and the ruling class armed. I think you could, you know, you, you could, they'll just have private armies eventually. 
I like the idea of of a universal militia where everyone sort of serves their community in some way and and they are armed via that like neighborhood militias and things like that um you know not crazy people in the woods but actual militias performing public services i don't care really though i i'm basically consequentialist in this way whatever's going to work is going to work and we can work it out and obviously what we have now is not working so that that's it's not an issue i think that much about to be honest um but some people do and and i'm not in america these days if i was in america i'm sure i'd be thinking about gun control much more and i might have a different opinion i'm in taiwan where there's a threat of of chinese invasion and i actually think maybe if their guns were legal here that might be a bit of a deterrent this might be a case study where it would have a deterrent effect and taiwanese all serve in the military men at least um and so they would all have some gun training and and you could implement a gun safety gun training program via the military via conscription that i think would make gun ownership broad why you know broad 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 gun ownership in taiwan safer for the average person than what you have in 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 the u.s very few taiwanese agree with me but that's just what i observe and think um our, our car the problem here are cars you know car accidents are are, are taiwan's gun shootings I don't know. Uh, Lambast me on any of these these opinions. I I'm not going to marry to any of them. It's just I don't care about the Constitution that much. Again, it's kind of like if there's less, there's a better alternative though. Let's keep it. <laughs> you know, it's but I'm totally open to changing it um, if necessary, and that might involve changing gun laws, whatever. In general, though, all things being equal. You know, I don't think the population should be disarmed by a state. That just comes from kind of anarchist principles. All right. Anyways, back to this. Here's the point I want to make about Beyond This Horizon. This is, there's no, there doesn't seem to be any government gun control, but this is a gun controlled society. Right. First of all, you have social conditions where you have essentially socialism you have social equality you don't have poverty you have everyone has like a basic income um so you have broad-ranging prosperity you also have broad across the board genetic engineering with very few exceptions so certain behaviors presumably are being selected for in that including maybe politeness maybe it's a polite society can be an armed society not the other way around maybe our character is getting into backwards it's because they are polite by by nature maybe i want to say subservient that's not the case we have here but um there's there's certainly testing for or they're selecting for intelligence and a certain uh you know attitude that probably would would weed out the crazies You have a lot of work that Heinlein does to make this gun culture like at least something we can swallow. All right, that said, now why am I saying this is a gun-controlled society? Well, there's all sorts of cultural and social rules that essentially control the behavior of guns in this culture. For instance, people have pistols. I, I guess Felix Hamilton has his like old-fashioned powder guns. But other characters have 
like the like phasers, like laser pistol things. Um, and that seems to be the gun of choice for most people. There's no AR-15s or Kalashnikovs or, or weapons like that. There are weapons for dueling, right? So the culture defines what acceptable gun use is, right? You can wear a brassard. You can wear basically an armband that says you are, it kind of announces you to be a bit of a simp. That's the price you pay, but it also means even if you're offensive or you do something wrong, you're, you're not down to duel. You know, now it kind of unmans you a little bit and, and there's gender politics here and that's something that I think Heinlein is is forever going to be uh, on the wrong side of history on, but he's also from history, so let's not complain too much about that. In fact, that let's not un also ignore how progressive he is on gender issues often, but there is kind of a gendered aspect to this. There is a female character here who does gunsling, which is pretty awesome. And, and it should be noted here, uh, Phyllis, Felix's uh, wife, is, is essentially a gunslinger. Uh, it's, it's an addressed and, as an anomaly, and, and, and it's talked about, but it's there. It's, it's part of what makes Felix Hamilton kind of horny for her. So, But generally, it seems to be a male thing. It's something people can opt out of. It's, it is really rule-based. Those rules are just defined by the culture. So I... That's my response to all this. Is essentially we have a gun control society. Anything else to say about that? Um, but I, I think it's an interesting thought experiment in in a bottom up gun control. I, I don't know if something like that is possible in the United States of today. It probably isn't. It's it's the culture, the environment is so different from what's described here. There's almost no commonalities, but. If we have socialism, if we have broad-based education, if we have certain behaviors dealt with through, I don't want to say genetic engineering, but some kind of social engineering, right? And I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. I mean, I think raising kids to be trustworthy, to be honest, is kind of a social engineering. It's, it's not a bad thing to do, right? Kids... You know, we do have to take these little monsters and, and make them into, you know, people with certain values. Certain virtues. That's not a, a horrible thing to do. Um, so some degree of social engineering, so, you know, having socialism, having widely distributed prosperity. I think something like this could almost work. Um, obviously, I don't think this is... The, but here's my point. My, the people who, who, who've just flash out, who've just declare Heinlein's uh, armed society is a polite society, just don't understand the text. They're just mining, they're just quote mining, and they're not taking it from the whole text, which I think we do have an example here of, a, of a, actually a very strictly gun-controlled society, right? More so than, than the United States, because gun use is very much regulated by society, right? There's certain behaviors that are just not permissible. There's certain ways you can't use your gun in public without re being ready to throw down, right? Um, there's no mass killings. Not, not to say that I suppose there could it could be. We could write maybe write a response to be on this horizon where everyone is just shooting each other and there's you know everyone's dead after the first day of, of this experiment in, in dueling culture. But I, I don't think that would happen. I, I think, you know, these aren't assault rifles. So I think I spend too much time talking about this. 
Um, anything else to talk about this in this book, though? I kind of went through the major plot points, but it goes all over the place. Um, I think it is important to note um, that we have this this kind of a um, metempsychosis argument being made at the end, where it does kind of verge off into fantasy. Um, but this is the means by which Felix Hamilton kind of finds his meaning in life. Uh, at least that's what he tells us. It's somehow the knowledge that there's a life after death, that we are reborn um, into a literally a higher form because of this evolutionary genetic engineering. You're, you're inevitably going to be reborn into a higher form um, with those past, like access to those memories and with people who are able to access that. It seems it takes a certain level of evolution before we can access those those memories and experiences and that's why felix hamilton's kids are kind of that first generation to be aware of this um but i well it also seems pretty clear that he's finding meaning through family he's finding meaning through being being a family man right through his wife and eventually through his children that he finds pleasure and happiness in that part of his life he does talk at one point about maybe hanging up putting on the brassard, hanging up the gunslinging life. Like, finally, he's like the married man who finally gives up the last remnants of his bachelor life. He says he can't do it because that would make him a, a bit of a simp. Um, but it's, it's there. There's a lot of interesting philosophical discussions in this part of the book, too, basically rooted into the question of the meaning of life um, and reflections on that. Um, but it's a little bit of race stuff, too, on the control naturals versus the genetically engineered types. But all in all, really good book. Um, 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 I think these two episodes, I think, did it justice. There's probably more to say about it. it, it but it's it's one of my favorite Heinlein texts um, that I've read. And sorry so for going on so long about the gun control thing. But I think it's, it's, it's actually a small part of the book. But I think it's... It's just timely to talk about it because there is this kind of new 24-hour news cycle of a new shooting every 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 day. That certainly is depressing, and and I think, as in other areas, I think Heinlein gets kind of misused or misunderstood by by certain people. Um, but if we take him seriously, I think there's a lot to learn from him and and to reflect on, anyways. So, um, what's next? Now I can't even think. Uh, Jonathan Hoag, the, 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 I haven't started reading it. The something profession of Jonathan Hoag, maybe Waldo. I don't know. I'll surprise you. It'll, it'll be one. There's a, there's a handful of stories we need to finish up. They're all long. Heinlein writes these really long short stories that are actually novellas. It really makes me miss Phil Dick, who, who always wrote these five page stories. But uh, that's, I guess, what we're stuck with. Uh, it'll, it'll actually be nice when we just get to the novels. And, and, and that's mostly what we'll be dealing with. There'll be stories throughout. But we're, we're actually coming to the end, the beginning of the end of the, of the shorter fiction part of this podcast. Because once he starts writing the juveniles, it's like there's like a book a year for a while and maybe a couple short stories. And then, then we get longer and longer gaps towards the end of his career and the later works. But then by that point, it's almost all novels. So um, I think this, this episode actually puts us at about the 25% mark. So we're actually 25% of the way through this 
Robert A. Heinlein Book Club, which is uh, that's just based on my rough math. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how many episodes they'll do on certain books, but it's um, it's uh, been fun, and I'm looking forward to where this is going to take us in the future. But um, really looking forward to the getting to the juveniles and getting to the post-war stuff because um, you know I've read some of that stuff, but it's going to be nice to put it into the broader context of his of his career. Um, but yeah, well, something will be next. Waldo. Jonathan Hogue, something like that. There's, there's probably one of those two. So anyways, I uh, thanks for your time and thanks for listening to me. Um, let me know if you have any thoughts about this story or uh, any of the issues it brings up. Obviously, there's a lot of them. And so please talk about any issues I didn't bring up and I'll, I'll, I'll try to respond to you if you do. Because obviously there are things I'm sidelining because uh, you know, to go line through line through the story would take hours and hours and hours. And you might as well just read the book yourself. So that's it for now. Uh, Thanks for listening. I will see you next time. Mm